Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 31st ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful but snowy Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, but I think you stole my opening line about ah. it being snowy because that's what I was going to mention, is that it's incredibly cold outside, but we're here. We did made you, it. Did you watch the Missouri State game last night? I did. In person? Uh, I thought about going, but I didn't. I just watched on TV. It was a good win for them. Yeah, the Missouri Valley Conference is the complete quagmire of just, just uh, I don't even know, just a cluster. I think all the teams are separated by like three games right now. Do you think Missouri State is legitimately ahead of schedule, or are we going to have a real year zero next year? Um... Can you can you expound on that a like, bit? Like, do you think they're they're what they're establishing this year will be built on and sustained the next few years, or will we see a drop off, losing some seniors, see a drop off next year where the rebuild really starts? Yeah, I think they'll be all right going forward. They got some pretty good seniors right now that have been with the program for uh, their whole career, but I think the I think they will continue to build. Just seem like this year with their conference record is going to end up being pretty decent. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Missouri Valley is just wide open. Yeah, just pretty much win all your home home games. That's all you got to do, pretty much. All right. Well, we're here to talk about um, Missouri Mizzou University Tigers, and we have some news to go over first, and then we'll get into some talking about some basketball, and then we've got a game to play at the end where Kyle's going to try to figure out who I'm talking about from a player from Mizzou's past. But first, we need to reach out to someone who left us a review on iTunes. So, Bill, if you're listening, we realize we don't have a way to get your information (laughs) to hook you up with a T-shirt. So you left a great review, and we'd like to reward you for it. So if you could email us, at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com with a little bit more information. We will get in touch with you and uh, figure out what we need to do there. Your address and shirt size. Yes, that's what is we need. Is the information we need. But shout out to Bill. Thanks for the review. Uh, thanks for listening, man. We really appreciate it. There's still options for other people um, to be entered to win a shirt if you leave us a review on iTunes or uh, tweet a tweet uh, some your impressions of the podcast on Twitter we'll find you um, but yeah if you do it on iTunes make sure to at least put your uh, email address in there so we can get uh, in touch with you after the fact so let's do some news um, Mizzou football finished off their 2019 recruiting class uh, with a, f- a few additions that we were expecting um, anything of note that we should really know about it's crazy the difference that national signing day is now comparatively to what it used to be as far as the the february date right um in the past if you follow football recruiting at all uh really up until i guess last year uh national signing day was our was always in february and it's always such a big event i mean just trying to close the deal on everybody and making these last minute pushes for the guys you already have committed and maybe trying to uh flip a, a couple of other guys or whatever the case is but it's always a really fun event 
usually like rivals websites like crashing because so many people are like checking it and everything but um, that is not the case anymore with the early signing period which I personally am kind of a fan of I guess I kind of like it um, but it also deflates the February national signing day a little bit but that's okay um, yeah pretty much not a whole lot of surprise um, Mizzou had a couple of spots to shore up on the defensive line uh, they got a couple Juco guys um, and then they got a, a, a Juco offensive lineman as well so pretty much uh, I think everyone that signed with them this past week were all Juco guys um, I could be mistaken on maybe one of them, but uh, and I think they they expected to to get who they got. So and I saw on Twitter that uh, one or maybe a couple of those guys were already on campus. Yeah, um, so I think so. Yeah, things so, are looking good there. Yep, pretty uh, uneventful day, but I think that's probably good things considering we uh, have everybody we want at this point. I think it's a pretty good class. I think it ended up being at least according to rivals. I think they ended up being thirty fourth in the team. That's what ranking, I saw. Yeah. So. Uh, I think that Mizzou can make a living out of being around the uh, the 30 to 35 mark. What's bad, though, is when you're in the SEC, 34th in the country is like 12th like 13, in the SEC yeah. most years, which is kind of disappointing. But I don't know. It's really hard to compete with the top of the SEC yep. well, for football recruits. I guess recruits. that's uh, why they play the game. So. Right. Um, some more football news. Uh, the Missouri football uh, webpage updated their roster. And... There's really not much to talk about there, but Michael Wilson is now listed as a quarterback slash wide receiver. Uh, going into this past year, there was some talk of him playing a little wide receiver. Uh, it didn't really amount to much, but now he's got that designation on his uh, on the website, so that's kind of interesting. And then there were some number changes and then some uh, jersey numbers for the new additions to the team. This one's kind of interesting. Jordan Elliott supposedly will be wearing number one this year, which is not typically a number you see on the defensive line. Um, Kelly Bryant will be number seven. Sean Robinson, the transfer from TCU, will be taking over Drew Locke's number three. And then Jonathan Nance, a wide receiver, will be number four. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting switch for Micah Wilson moving to wide receiver because obviously he's um, an athletic guy and is not limited to not limited to just his, his quarterback talent, but super quick and uh, – got good hands so um obviously there's a log jam at quarterback so he probably uh saw the writing on the wall that he probably wasn't going to get a shot at quarterback uh but uh just showed commitment to the team and said hey i'm going to make this work somehow i'm going to help the team in any way i can so yeah. i don't know how much playing time he'll get a wide receiver either but uh we'll see switching to basketball news um Mizzou legend uh, Derek Chivas was honored uh, with or he will be honored by getting his jersey retired uh, the number three will no longer be worn at Missouri and it'll have a nice banner in the rafters unfortunately we're both too young to have seen him play live or even on TV so he's for me he's just kind of this mythical uh, legend of Mizzou basketball that is out there that I never really got to watch very much just yeah. some highlights everyone every once in a while he had some like amazing records. I think he leads Mizzou in all-time scoring, doesn't right. he? And mm-hmm. I think maybe even a couple of other national records, uh, in like free throw shooting or something like that. But um, yeah, like kind of like you said, we're a little too young to have really watched him much. But he is kind of a mythical uh, figure out there that we've heard a lot about, um, and obviously are aware of. Um, what are your thoughts on the this the phenomena of reti- of retiring numbers? How do you feel about it? 
uh, just indifferent. I'm kind of indifferent. Yeah. I mean, it seems fine. I don't really notice, I guess, when a team that I follow has a retired number. I mean, I'll, I'll notice when the news comes out about a new one. But if I, like, if you were to ask me, like, the Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals or something, like, what are some of their retired numbers? I could name some of the players that belong to the numbers, but the number specifically, I don't know if I could name. Yeah. And I think that'll be kind of the same way with Mizzou. Yeah. Especially he, having, when you're talking about not having watched these guys play. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be, you have to have been absolutely legendary yeah. for the, for something like this to happen because I mean, there's not a whole lot of options for you know, right. other numbers if you start just retiring yeah. you know, everyday numbers. Not that they would do that. And but. if you're an institution, you have to let enough time pass. Because like, I could just see like a PR nightmare if you retire somebody's number and they go on to like commit a terrible <laughs> yeah, crime exactly. or something or they just become a terrible person in some regard. And you're like, then you're dealing with probably some sort of um, uproar from somebody saying that they shouldn't have their they shouldn't be honoring this person's number so i i could just see i don't know when retiring numbers started but i don't know i could see an argument where it there could just be headaches that come along with it that are unnecessary but yeah it's kind of cool to just sort of honor a, a player's legacy like that yeah one that always kind of stands out to me is like retiring jackie robinson's number in baseball number sure. 42 i mm-hmm. think that that was always like a a very cool thing um just obviously because of the things that he stood for outside of just the game of baseball right um but yeah i mean if you uh if you've got somebody like like chivas who made the impact that he did then obviously should should at least be in consideration i think it's a it's a cool thing mm-hmm. uh, another piece of basketball news if you didn't notice there was a pretty big high school basketball game up in st louis between vashon and cbc so that had um Mario McKinney, who's already committed to Mizzou, and then two of their top targets for the 2020 class in Cam Fletcher and uh, Caleb Love. So uh, Vashon, they were playing at CBC. Vashon came out on top, and I've watched a few um, highlight videos from that game. If you are able to, I know Ball is Life had a pretty good one uh, focusing on Mario McKinney, and holy cow, he made some incredible plays in that game. Scored 28 points, uh, Vashon won on the road. And he looked incredibly athletic. Like, for a one-game snapshot, this highlight tape might be his best as far as just some of the plays he was making. Yeah, good to see that he uh, gets up for a big game. Um, it would be really fun to be at a, an event like that, just kind of a inner-city matchup between some of these St. Louis schools mm-hmm. where obviously all these guys know each other and they're really competitive and they're high-level D1 high level uh, players, yeah, for sure. It'd be a really a lot of fun to experience. I'm sure when the the fans are going crazy and everything too. Uh, but yeah, it was good to see Mario have such a big game. Um, we've talked at length about how his game may translate to the next level. It's kind of tough to see at this point. Um, just but obviously, ultra athletic um, needs to develop a shot. But it looked like he, you know, he's got the ability to knock down shots. Um, He's got the ability to knock down adjusted tough shots when mm-hmm. he's you know hanging in the air and shaking a defender and stuff. We know he can do it. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how uh, consistently he can do that and efficiently at the next level. I know, obviously, he's a senior, and um, Fletcher and Love are both uh, juniors in high school, but they are m- much... What am I trying to say? They're much higher on the recruiting rankings than he is by 
nearly a hundred spots and for him to just be the guy in a game featuring those three players is pretty impressive I think yeah I think some of those other players kind of maybe offer something a little bit more unique maybe than at least initially Mario may offer I know like Cam Fletcher is just a really really unique player yeah. I and mean, he's very versatile mm-hmm. and he's he's and his large size is right incredible he's as large as his large his uh, his size <laughs> is very unique and uh, um, I think he just brings something different to the table and and Caleb Love I mean he's so smooth and yeah. such a great shooter and I think that's and he has really good size for a point guard too right exactly and not that this wasn't ever the trend but I feel like especially right now the trend in college basketball is being able to shoot mm-hmm. having guards that can shoot and knock down shots uh, consistently and Caleb Love can definitely do that and it looks like he will certainly be able to do that at the next level and I think that's one reason why his his ranking might be a little bit higher than Mario's yeah uh, with Mario it seems like a staple of his game, at least at the high school level, is put back dunks. And he had two in this game in the highlights, and it it's so effortless for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't remember seeing a guy his size look so effortless with put back dunks. I remember a kid um, that played for Wesleyan Christian High School in the uh, Tournament of Champions, I'm trying to think of his name. Quay Parker was his name, oh, and yeah, I he him. was like about Mario's size as like a two guard, and he could go up and get the ball and slam it back down. Right, and he's he's basically what all of these recruiting services are afraid of with Mario. Is being a perfect example, amazing athlete, was a great high school player, was a YouTube sensation mm-hmm. for all of his like ball is life videos mm-hmm. and everything, and then he got to college and fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, went to Tennessee actually. Yeah, and I then went to transferred Clemson, away. And yeah. I think he went to a couple of different places and never really uh, did a whole lot. So yeah. obviously, the recruiting services have seen this type of player before, and they're like maybe they're a little skeptical. So mm-hmm. um, it's understandable, but I, I think if Mario can. Maybe not in the skill-wise yet, at least, uh, but come in and kind of be the Jordan Geist, just like tough guy, like I'm going to fight no matter what kind of right. player. I think that is something he can offer immediately. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Jordan Geist. Anybody that's coming into the Mizzou program, if they want to get on the coaching staff's good side, just watch Jordan Geist and do what he does. Javon Pickett, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, those are guys that were looked over by everyone and uh, just n- never, nobody really expected much out of them at any point in their career. Obviously, Pickett's still super young, but it's kinda, I, I mean, when he left Illinois or decommitted from Illinois, they were kind of like, eh, whatever, yeah. we don't care. They just came in, put their head down, went to work, and they work harder than anybody else on the team. I'm pretty sure those two guys probably yeah. do. And obviously, uh, Coach Mont. Uh, Coach uh, Conzo Martin, if you've heard Monzo of him. Carton. Monzo Carton loves that about them. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about a Mizzou victory. It's a, It was the Rally for Ryan game. Uh, Vanderbilt came in and put up a fight, but Missouri just kind of handled it, handled their business at home. Uh, once again, without Mark Smith, Xavier Pinson got the start in this one. Um Vanderbilt made it close a couple times, but then Missouri was always able to answer and just kind of put the lead back out there to eight, eight to twelve points. Yeah, and definitely Vanderbilt got hot at one point in this game for sure. They were ice cold in the first they, half. They definitely were. They were ice cold, and then kind of you know 
put a little fear in us there for a little bit in the second half. At one point made five threes in a row. Yeah. But it's still, I was never, like, worried. I definitely right. felt like Mizzou was always in control of this game. And even whenever it was down to, like, five points or whatever, I still was just like, I, I was like, I'm fine. We're good. We're going we're gonna to be just fine here. And that's what ended up happening. Yeah. I should mention this. Uh, we actually watched this game on TV together. We did. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, we hadn't done that since the Purdue football game. Watched any Mizzou game together? On TV, yeah. We watched them live. Uh, we haven't watched f- any basketball games together this year? I don't think so. Wow, that seems remarkable. Right, so I think that makes us uh, on officially a on winning a winning streak. streak. Oh, wow. After having a abysmal curse before this uh, past football season. That's fantastic. But you know, what I was also thinking about is producer Cameron has been there for both games. So he is... Lucky charm. You're the X Factor. Oh, uh, heck yeah. <laughs> so now I'm worried that if just the two of us get together <laughs> to watch a game on TV, we might be right back into the old curse. It's true. So, but also, the last two times have had no influence of women. True. Our wives have not been present. True. And our wives were present for some of those miserable losses. True. So I don't know. We gotta we gotta just keep playing with all these rotations and yeah. figure out figure out who the bad luck charm is because I don't I don't think it's you, Cameron. Yeah, you seem to be a good luck charm. Thank yeah, goodness. so we'll keep you around. So just clear your schedule for any potential Mizzou games that Kyle and I might want to watch together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, um, he says. <laughs> I was really intrigued in this one by Mitchell Smith because he played 20 minutes at the four spot and was as productive as anybody else has been at the four spot. Yeah, the four, I mean, the four is just like a revolving door of like inefficiency right yes. now and just like nothing like concrete at all. It's pretty much just whoever's playing well is going to get the, the look right now. Yeah. And I, I'm fine with that approach. Like I, I'm glad that Martin is open to – you know, being fluid and, and finding the right guy at the right time. Cause I, I think that maybe some players or some coaches might just be, you know, dead set on having one guy, you know, Kevin Furrier, he's been here four years. He's, he's, a, senior. he's a senior yep. leader. We're, we're not taking him out of the starting lineup, but right. that hasn't been the case, which is good. I mean, I think not, not to say that Furrier definitely needed to be benched or anything, but it just going forward, it's good precedent to set that, you know, if you're struggling, you're gonna we're gonna try somebody else and see how it works. Yeah, and even though the points aren't really coming for per year right now, it's still good to see that he's still doing other things. I mean, obviously, ten rebounds, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, he still plays good defense. I think he does a really good job with uh, um, avoiding fouls, even yeah. despite <laughs> being undersized and all that stuff. So he does other things, and as a casual, you know observer of this basketball games it's kind of easy to just be like oh kevin Burger, he's not mm-hmm. adding anything he's not doing anything but i promise there's a reason he's out there he's still bringing good things to the team yeah it seems like he's there he the his defensive rotations are solid um he's active on the glass and i think if you look at the four spot you kind of need to judge it as a a unit so how many minutes are being played by these guys at the four and combined are they doing anything productive so i mean if you look at Perrier and smith together they're playing a total of 37 minutes 
getting five points, 10 rebounds. I mean, that's pretty good production from the four spot when it's guaranteed that that's going to be the weakest spot for Missouri throughout the game. Yeah, I think that's I think that's acceptable if Tillman is on the floor consistently sure. and out of foul trouble. Right. If Tillman's out of the game, then I don't know we're screwed. Yeah. At that point. Well, in, in that situation, you just got to hope that the guards are making shots. Pretty much. And, and with no Mark Smith, that's questionable at best. In which, I thought kind of just initially based on just watching the games that we were doing okay without him, but I, I when looking at some of our stats I really do think that our three-point shooting has suffered Uh, like at least the overall just amount of makes that we get per game has gone down significantly without him playing yeah well I mean people they're they're still shooting about the same number of threes and you just have guys that are worse at it shooting more pretty much so I mean I would like to see him take like two threes from Geist one from pick it you know mm-hmm. like take a take four or five threes away from these guys when he comes back um after this game uh, missouri's ken palm rating didn't really move um it was kind of a game that they were supposed to win and they weren't too impressive on either end of the floor as far as efficiency um but I liked what I saw from the guards in this one as far as driving the ball to getting to the basket. I think Pickett and Watson, I thought Watson was a lost cause as far as getting to the rim this season. I thought it looked like every time he touched the ball, he was like going to dribble it off his foot. He wasn't even looking to the basket when he was dribbling. Like it just seemed like, like had his head down a yeah, little bit. Like yeah. he was so worried about the physical act of dribbling that he couldn't even think about trying to score. Yeah. And to see him kind of get over that to some extent, I mean, he's done better in these last two games than I would have expected having watched him the rest of the season prior. Yeah, it's been really good to see his development and just him become more comfortable and him look like the scorer that we know he is. And that we knew that would come and it will continue to grow, you know, into next year and everything as he just continues to get a feel for what it's like to be a D1 basketball player in a a big-time program. I feel like we're bearing the lead a little bit on this one because uh, we've yet to mention really Jeremiah Tillman, who played 35 minutes, had 19 points and 8 rebounds. Yeah, it seems like in the past couple seasons, our big guys have really taken advantage of Vanderbilt. Um, I don't know why exactly that is. I don't know if it's the style of defense that Vanderbilt plays or just the fact that their front-court players aren't very good defenders. I don't know what it is, but... I know that Jonte had a field day with them last year, and Tillman played a fantastic game against them uh, last week. So um, that's a good trend, definitely. Yeah. So Missouri improved to 11-9 and and got their second win in conference, so 2-6 and six in conference after the Vanderbilt game. And anything else you want to mention about that one? Vanderbilt, are they going to win a SEC game? Um. Probably, but I mean, considering they took Tennessee to overtime, you yeah. think they'd be able to beat somebody, but I they've, don't know. They've lost since then. They, pro- they may uh, not be Arkansas. favored in any games, but I'm no. sure they'll pull something off. Yeah. Mean, they're not terrible at all. No, looks like their best chance to win one is Ole Miss, maybe. They've got a home game against. They've got a home game against Arkansas. Arkansas where they're 42% to win, according to Ken Palm. And that's their best shot. Uh, at, and at Texas A&M, they 
we'll have a shot at that one. But they've actually got a really tough schedule coming up if you just look at the Ken Palm ratings of the remaining teams on their schedule. Well, it would be nice if they could knock off a couple people that are uh, around the same yeah, record as Missouri. Arkansas. Yeah, um, that may be the only help we could get from Vanderbilt at this point. So Missouri then played Tennessee on the road. And my basic takeaway is that Missouri performed well. Um, it would have been really nice to see what they would have done with Mark Smith. I don't think they win with him, but just a little bit more offensive firepower would have been huge. Yeah. And I thought the defense played really well. Yeah, I think this outcome was about as good as I could have possibly hoped for. And holding to Tennessee to 72 points uh, at their place is pretty impressive. Yeah, I was actually watching that point total pretty closely because um, Tennessee, before this game, their, um, the least they had scored in a conference game Actually, the least they had scored in any game this season was a home game against Alabama where they scored 71. So to hold them to their second lowest uh, point total on the season at their place was pretty impressive, I think. At this point, how how good is Tennessee? Are they they good enough to win the national championship? I think so. Um, One thing that people that like to delve into the analytics uh, when it comes time for uh, March Madness is looking at teams with really good offensive and defensive efficiency. Um, And people like to say that if you're inside the top 20 in both of those, that's a legitimate championship contender. So Tennessee is only 40th in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. So that would tell me that maybe not. But... I was listening to uh, a CBS college basketball podcast recently with Gary Parrish, and um, he made a good point about Tennessee that they may not have the highest ceiling um, in college basketball. Obviously, probably Gonzaga and Duke and some of uh, those teams probably have a higher ceiling when mm-hmm. it comes to uh, the tournament, but there may not be a safer pick to get to the to the Sweet 16. If yeah. you're, you're going to pick somebody that just you know they're going to win their first matchup or two is probably Tennessee. Right. They're just the I was safest actually, yeah. pick. Uh, I was wondering if that's where you were headed because I was going to say they might be the the most, the biggest lock for not getting upset the in the first floor. round. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They'll probably get like beat by a two-seed <laughs> or something after we were talking about this, but or a 15-seed or whatever they are. But, yeah, um, yeah t- they're, they're just so good and they're experienced and well-coached and mm-hmm. – uh, yeah. They just uh, their pieces fit together so well, and just remarkably well. Mm-hmm. They're just such a solid team as a whole, um, and they've got some bench players that didn't even play much in this game. Uh, like, well, Pons is the one I'm thinking of that hardly played, but he he could start for teams in the SEC as a sophomore. You think Grant Williams is going to win the SEC Player of the Year again this year? Um, yes, I do. I don't even know who his biggest competition would be. P.J. Washington, maybe? Probably. He's yeah, had a really good season. That's the thing about Kentucky, too, is they don't really have one massive standout player. They're yeah. just really well-rounded as well. And Admiral Schofield, I mean, I don't think he would challenge him for that award, but I he's think been phenomenal both, as well. I think they'll both make all SEC first, first team. team. Yeah. yeah. Probably uh, deserving of that, for sure. But this game specifically, 
Did you have any big takeaways? I, th- I thought it was interesting that Penson played 32 minutes. He had a yeah, actually a really good game. Yeah, Penson's really growing on me for sure. I never, I never dreamed that he would have the impact that he's had. I mean, not that he's been like our star player or anything, but he's played some really good minutes, and I think he's just kind of mentally just kind of just figuring things out. Yeah, he's kind of showing just a lot exp- more poise, kind of exploring. Yeah. Uh, the waters of of being you know in a, on a college basketball team and dealing with I don't know just that transition from high school to college where do I fit into this team mm-hmm. and I think he's kind of he's kind of figuring it out a little bit so and I I really like having two guys that I would call point guards on the floor at the same yes. time um, now these last two games have been against teams that do not really turn you over um, so Missouri had nine turnovers in the Vanderbilt game and. Again, nine in the Tennessee game, which is a great sign. However, like I said, these two teams are not known for turning the people over. So, but that's good. I mean, if if that would probably be the most worrisome if they were turning the ball over a lot against teams that don't typically do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to still only turn it over nine times against Tennessee on the road, I, I think I'd take that every single time. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, again, Mitchell Smith played a bigger role in this game. Um, I think he had a couple of questionable moments in this game where the game was actually pretty competitive and he took a couple threes and it's probably not really the shot you want like in that time. But, but if those go in, man. But if they go in, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, probably not who we want taking the shot, but I, I like his confidence and I like uh, the moxie and um, I'm, maybe those shots will fall uh, at some point in his career. But I think at this at, at one point in the season – I thought with, you know, Santos and Trey Jackson coming to next year, I thought Mitchell Smith might just transfer, and he really wasn't getting any playing time. And uh, so it's good to see him kind of rebound and uh, just continue to fight for some playing time. Yeah, I was looking at the I'm looking at the three point shooting um, in this Tennessee game, and that was just pretty abysmal for Missouri. Um, under thirty percent, eight of twenty seven, and when you look at um, Torrance Watson and Mitchell Smith were combined one of ten from three. That's not going to get it done. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but like I said, maybe someday those shots will consistently fall, fall on the road. But um, definitely the the story of the of the day was the defense, and I noticed mm-hmm. that just from their defensive performance against an incredible offense their Kim Palm overall Kim Palm rating went up by like 10 spots yeah and their defensive efficiency rating is up to 59 which is pretty good so yeah that's the highest it's been all season clearly Kim Palm was impressed by their defensive performance as well but gotta uh, play the other half of the game as well gotta play some offense yeah um I read on Twitter that Mark Smith had a boot on his foot really so I don't know what that means medical wise if that's good or bad or I think whatever I read but. maybe this off season at one point whenever Santos was hurt and had a boot on that they're just going to put a boot on anybody that is like remotely hurt at all just for precaution sure uh so hopefully that's not a terrible sign but it would be great to get Mark Smith back as soon as possible yeah that sounds fine to me put a put a boot on everybody just even healthy <laughs> walking people. around campus yeah even when they're healthy just in case just boots everywhere yeah I'm fine with it I want <laughs> if Jonte Porter, for some strange reason, decides to come back for his next season at Missouri, I want him in a full body cast. He's not allowed to practice <laughs> mobile. until like no, the game starts. No scrimmages, no practices, only games. This is an incredibly 
uh, off topic, but did you? There was a video of Patrick Mahomes that surfaced of him playing basketball, which oh, yeah. he looked fantastic playing <laughs> basketball, did. by the way. What can't he do? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I read, I think, today that uh, the Chiefs GM, uh, Brett Veach, was like, yeah, we uh, nipped that in the bud. <laughs> I don't think yeah. he's going to be doing that anymore. Uh, no more basketball for yeah. him. I don't blame him. I don't either. Um, yeah, I saw a, another video of him playing golf at Top Golf or whatever. He had a pretty nice golf swing. I was yeah. just like, okay. I kind of have a man crush on him, but I'm pretty sure the most of the state of Missouri does. Yeah. Anything else with this Tennessee game? I, I think it, it's kind of interesting, the fact that we played uh, Tennessee twice now. I was just looking over the schedule, and it kind of sets up strange. These next two games that we're going to talk about against A&M and Arkansas, we've already played them this season. So we will have played all these guys twice and then for the first time we play Ole Miss, Kentucky, Florida, Mississippi State Yeah, literally on a half row. the SEC we haven't even seen yet. Yeah, so I feel like I know everything there is to know about these teams that we've already that we will have seen twice now and then uh, these other teams are going to walk in I'm like, oh, you're uh, part of the SEC? I forgot. Yeah, who are you guys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kentucky is one of those teams that like I said earlier, they don't really have like a hero on their team or anything. I don't really hear a whole lot about them from the national media in comparison to Duke or something right. like that, who have these you know future NBA stars on their team. Uh, Kentucky maybe kind of floundered a little bit at the beginning of the year, but man, they're playing really, really good basketball They've right now. They figured it out. Yeah, and I think they're almost up there with Tennessee at this point. And I don't think I ever thought I would say that about them this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, they they lost their first SEC game against Alabama, and it was kind of like. Oh, Tennessee, or sorry, oh, Kentucky, you know, what, what's going on with them? And then they just quietly won eight in a row after that, and yeah. they're right there at the top of the SEC. Yeah, they are uh, all of a sudden potential Final Four type type candidates. Okay, so you are – sounds like you're predicting Tennessee and Kentucky to play each other in the national championship. <laughs> yeah, so. that's definitely <laughs> what I had in mind. Um, oh, how, many, how many teams – how many teams do you think out of the SEC make? Oh, you've got that. Never mind. Um, make the NCAA tournament at this point. Well, let me do a little count here. Uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU are locks yeah. at this point. Auburn and Mississippi with being uh, Ole Miss. I don't know. I'd say Auburn and Mississippi State are both probably going to be there for sure. Didn't. So how many is that? Five. Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU, Auburn, Auburn and, and Mississippi State. Mississippi State. That's five. That's five. Where I'm, I'd be comfortable saying all five of those easily get in. Um, so then you've got Ole Miss and South Carolina, who have played a really good SEC season, but haven't really. South Carolina done is very interesting. Uh, yeah, they're they're, just they had a they had a losing record in the non-conference. They come in and they've they've gone six and three in their first nine games in the SEC. Ken Palm has them projected to finish ten and eight, which would mean that they would still have a losing record overall. I, I don't win know ten games in the conference. What on earth you do with South Carolina? If if Ken Palm's right and they only win ten games, I think it'll be easy for the committee to leave them out. Yeah. With a losing record and I think a so ten too. wins in a in a down ish SEC, but if they're able to pull a couple upsets, especially if they're big, like a, a couple quadrant one wins, to push them to. 12 sec wins they're barely over 500 but i think that they would make the tournament yeah yeah it's man it's a tough call um i'm gonna assume they don't do that i i think so too i'm gonna leave south carolina out at this point but i could definitely change my tune 
I think Ole Miss will make the tournament. <clears throat> and I don't know, Arkansas is kind of on the bubble too. Um, and Alabama and Florida are teams that I originally, probably before non-conference, thought they would definitely be there. Yeah. But <clears throat> have struggled. So I don't know. It kind of just depends on what happens around the league. But I will are you, guess. Are you telling me it depends on what happens the rest of the season, whether they'll make the tournament or not? No, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna. <laughs> this is maybe this is uh, lazy of me, but I'm just gonna predict. Six teams make the tournament, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure who I can tell you who that sixth. Wait, I listed five for sure. I'm going to say yeah. seven teams get in. Wow. But I'm not sure which assortment of those seven get in. Well, Missouri's going to beat Arkansas and Florida. Just kidding. <laughs> and Mississippi State, which not will knock all of them out of the tournament field. No, I, I'm kidding. Um I think who's that sixth team that you have in, or that seventh team that you have in? I think my seventh team is Alabama. Ah. Okay. That's, that makes sense. You can live with that. I'll go with you there. Okay. That makes sense. How many teams did I get in last year? Eight, which was a lot, which was the most, I think. Yeah. That's that that's the SEC a lot. had ever gotten. Eight. I think by two. Yeah. I think the most they had ever gotten before was six. I wouldn't be shocked if they could get eight teams in. Oh my gosh, that's a hot take if I've ever heard one. But I heard I, it, first. it won't happen. But I, like, it wouldn't shock me because that means that South Carolina just kept it up, did enough to get in, yeah. and maybe or Florida jumped up there too. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to watch. We got a long way to go though. South Carolina is favored in two games left on their schedule. Wow. I can't. It's just unbelievable what they've done yeah. in this SEC they're, season. They're still at 103 on Ken Palm. It's still still both offense and defense over 100. I don't. I just don't even know how it happens. How their <laughs> non-conference was so bad. Yeah. I mean, they had a really tough schedule, but usually when you play a tough schedule and you have close games, your ratings are. They're not based on wins and losses. They're based on efficiency. Mm-hmm. So they, they were losing games to good teams, but also not playing well. So how many teams do you think get in over there, Cameron? Six. Six? Okay. And I'm going to pull a Kyle and say I don't know which ones. <laughs> Five for sure, and then the sixth one, who knows? Maybe cool. When we get closer to Selection Sunday, we will uh, give some actual predictions on what we think will happen. We'll predict the seeds and everything. How about? I'm down for that. Okay, so I'm excited to watch the next two Missouri games because they have two home games that are completely winnable, not not just partially winnable. They're 100% winnable. One they definitely should win. Dare I say both should win games? <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. Ken Palm probably doesn't think that we should beat Arkansas. Ken but. Palm <clears throat> likes Missouri at home by one. But I know. Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. I was going to say, well, I know that. Arkansas doesn't play very well on the road. Yeah. I don't know if Ken Palm knows that. Although Arkansas did just knock off LSU okay. on the road. Well, sometimes they're not very good on the road. <laughs> um, but first, Texas A&M. They, uh, Missouri beat them at home. It was a huge win uh, by 23 points. Texas A&M just basically lost all interest in competing in that game. A lot of walk-on or walk-ins. Walk-ons got a lot of minutes in that one for A&M. That was uh, in the middle of January, and they have not won an SEC game since then. 
Yeah, <clears throat> I don't think A&M's very good, but they were for sure not as bad as they looked the last time Mizzou played them. Uh, I'm not really sure what happened to them in that game, but they played that was a home game about for as bad as you could possibly play. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think they'll come out with a little bit of, of vengeance and, and try to get some revenge in this game. Uh, I don't think they will, but I think it could be a close game. I disagree. I think Texas A&M will come out flat and Missouri will steamroll them. I hope you're right. That's, that's going to be my official prediction because – did we know? Have we had any news on Mark Smith? Please tell me he's going to come play again. When is this game? What's today? Thursday. This game's on Saturday. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll play. But I. They that's, that's just purely him, speculation on my it part. It would be a good time to, for him to come back, I think, because Texas A&M in SEC games has the worst three-point percentage defense and the second worst. Well, that's their offense, but um, second worst three-point percentage offense so and mark smith makes three so i see what you've done there yeah and yeah it, i would but, love and, a back. nice time for him to like come back and get settled in again and hopefully get some threes. open shots yeah score like 35 points only on threes that, that would work is that possible nope it's not <laughs> 36 points is that possible yes it is thank you cameron producer cameron did you know did you guys know producer cameron is really good at math Oh my gosh! I want to say he studied math in college. What a what a nerd! He minored in math. Yeah, for fun. Oh, does my that mean word. you understand like, <clears throat> trigonometry and stuff? I did. If I give you a, a trigonometry problem right now, could you solve it? And also, is that a thing? I'll, yes, I'll give that's you one. The thing. Okay. Triangle minus circle <laughs> equals. I'll see what I can come up with. All right. Why did we start talking about this? Sorry about that. Um, Texas A&M. I hear they have a really good math program. They they also have the second worst defensive efficiency overall in SEC games. The only team worse than them is Georgia. So I like Missouri to score. The kind of forgot Georgia was in the SEC. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played them. I know in a while. I know we're gonna get the last like quarter of the season here. We're gonna get a lot of new names to talk about. Um. I think Missouri is going to score the most points they've scored in an SEC game this season. What's the most they've scored so far? So far, they scored 80 in an overtime loss to LSU. Yep, that's it. Okay. Are you ready to make your prediction for this game? Uh, 81. (laughs) (laughs) Missouri, 81. A&M, Missouri lets off the gas a little bit at the end, but they just can't help but score on this awful defense. Um, 69 for the Antlers. Are you predicting a Ronnie Suggs 30 ball? <laughs> Ronnie Suggs play a little 30 ball? I don't think so. Okay. He did have a really nice little uh, and one against yep. Vanderbilt. Yep. That was that was impressive. It actually like looked very fluid and good. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to make my prediction. Mizzou's going to win 74 to 68 in regulation. I can tell you one thing. If they do that, their Ken Palm rating will not improve by much at all, if well, any. I'll have to talk to Ken Palm and <laughs> see what we're I can gonna, do. We'll hack into his system and change the algorithms a little bit. Like, <laughs> Producer Cameron, do you know anything about just algorithms? Enough. Just No. Oh, my gosh. Just enough, though. Uh, I was actually reading very in-depthly about uh, Ken Palm's, like, uh, how he does his calculations and mm-hmm. stuff and it was a bunch of like 
it's like man i should have listened to algebra oh. in like high school that's yeah. like if the one way it would have ever helped me was i would have understood these kinpom calculations maybe, a little bit more maybe producer cameron can explain it to us true <laughs> oh like no 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 <laughs> 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 All right. Anything else you want to talk about about A and M? I I truly think that they they might not win another conference game. I think that they're oh. they're checked out. You are all out on A and M. They do have actually an easy schedule. They played Georgia, South Carolina twice, and Vanderbilt again. So <laughs> uh, they'll probably not go without a win. But I, I'm all out on them. Point yes. taken for sure. So then we have a home game against Arkansas. Um, Arkansas is, as of this recording, 14-8 and eight overall, 5-4 and four in conference, number 56 in Kempom, which is right around where I wish Missouri was and where they could have been with a few different outcomes this season. Um, 84th on offense, 45th on defense. And, of course, Missouri lost by 12 at Arkansas after turning the ball over 24 times in one game. Yeah, Arkansas is honestly like a little bit better this year than I think I thought they might be. They've got a lot of young players, and the, like one of those like freshman guards drained a few threes against us at the end of the game last time they played. Yeah, uh, and obviously uh, a name you might recognize, Daniel Gafford, is a fantastic player as well. Probably a first team SEC year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's not going away in this game. So I, I don't know. Yeah, freshman guard Isaiah Joe. Yeah, he's a good player. Was 7 of 12 from 3. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Mark Smith was very, very good in this game last time they played, and we still lost. 6 of 11? Yeah. So we really, really need Mark Smith to be back in this game, just as another ball handler, considering how crazy Arkansas's pressure defense is. We really need uh, Geist, Penson, and Mark Smith to carry the load for us in this game and try to limit the turnovers as much as humanly possible, even though they will happen. Yeah, I think uh, Geist and Penson being on the floor together will be huge in this mm-hmm. one because we know that Arkansas's press doesn't travel very well um, historically, although, like I said, they, they do have a couple uh, nice road wins this season. Last time Missouri played them, they were only 2-4. Uh, and four. That was only Arkansas's second conference win, so... That was a game Missouri started off really well, too. Yeah, well, yeah, the score started out really good, but um, I didn't think Missouri was actually playing that well. Arkansas just could not make a shot to save their life. Well, let's hope that happens again for the whole game. Well, one thing I did want to mention is it seems like compared to last year, Missouri is getting off to much better starts in games. I remember that being a thing last year where it was like, oh, shocker, we're down 10-2, to we're down 16-2. to yeah, six. Even against whatever. inferior competition, yes. it seemed like we would get off a slow start. Have to dig ourselves back out of it, and this Missouri team just hasn't been doing that. Just it hits just, the ground running, yeah. ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not always just fantastic play right off the bat, but they're just not getting in these holes that they have to dig themselves out of. Yeah, and um, I, I got to mention that Jeremiah Tillman has put together a streak of games here where he has been on the floor and contributing quite well. Um, I talked a little bit about. On uh, Ken Palm, you can look at the percentage of uh, minutes that a player plays. And this recent stretch has pushed him up to close to 62% um, in conference games this season. Compare that to last year where he only played 48.5% of the minutes in conference. 
So we're definitely seeing that evolution that we've been looking for. Yeah, definitely were, was a little bit worried about Tillman uh, at one point in the season, um, kind of around the beginning of conference play. So it's been really, really good to see him bounce back just mentally and just as far as basketball performance goes. Um, After that abysmal stretch where he fouled out of three straight games and the most minutes he played was 13, he hasn't played fewer than 26, and and he's played 35 minutes twice. Mm -hmm. I think Tillman is a perfect example of probably a kid that Conzo loves to have just because he's a great player, but probably he's probably a joy to coach, honestly, because he's just you can just physically see whenever he's making progress. Like mm-hmm. he's working hard at he knows his struggles, obviously. It's really apparent that he fouls a lot. But he's coachable and he's yeah. trying really hard to better himself in like every way and has and a it, good good attitude. And I don't think it's ever one step forward, two steps back. It's it's sometimes two steps forward, one step back mm-hmm. and, and rinse yeah. and repeat. But he's made a lot there's of always that progress, it seems like. So that's that's awesome to see. I mean, I know we were worried a little bit ago, but those fears should subside now. So what do you think about this Arkansas game? So oh, are you going to win, win two in a row? I don't know. It definitely seems like when you're looking at the SEC standings, Missouri needs to win both of these to even be able to call themselves part of the middle of the SEC. As it sits right now, we got Vanderbilt with no wins, A&M with one, Georgia with one, Missouri with two. And then everybody else has, has you know, four, four or five, more. six. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we got a big group there that, as producer Cameron throws his phone on the ground, you want me to get that for you? Yes, please. Here you are, sir. Um, a big group there with four or five wins. Even South Carolina six, but a huge group with four or five wins. Yeah. And right now, I do not feel comfortable saying Missouri is part of that middle group. No, I don't either. They got to win some At games. At this point, like I think what Missouri can shoot for this year is potentially finishing strong, maybe getting an NIT bid. Um, another thing that I think I'd like to see them do is avoid the play-in game of the of the yeah. SEC tournament. Agree. And in order to do that, you'd have to just avoid finishing in the last four. So mm-hmm. right now, they are. Uh, in the bottom four so they'd be the 10 seed and face 14 seed Vanderbilt in like the play-in game like Wednesday night game of the SEC tournament which puts you at a massive disadvantage of doing anything in the SEC tournament because you're playing an extra you know uh, 40 minutes and you're tired and you're playing in multiple days and all this stuff so although that might give Missouri its best chance to actually win win a game multiple SEC tournament games in the same tournament true which they have not done yet in their history in the sec but as far as just longevity in the tournament (laughs) goes which they probably don't have a real shot at anyway but i would just prefer that to see them avoid the play-in game so in order to do that you're going to have to surpass one of these teams florida alabama those are the teams that are directly above you in the standing so and both teams i think are better than missouri yeah It, it honestly seems like perhaps arkansas is the most likely candidate it almost seems like south carolina could potentially even drop down right but into that mix but there's still even they're four then, games ahead of missouri right know, now it's crazy it's ridiculous um i think the target should be arkansas if you're looking at one of these teams to yeah. root against hardcore which makes the, this game huge and i was honestly kind of annoyed that arkansas beat lsu the other night yeah. because it's just we need arkansas to lose and but our and arkansas does this saturday play at south carolina so maybe whichever team loses that matchup, we just, make the target. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Yeah, so all that to say, um, Arkansas has not been as good on the road in the past, but I still think they present a really challenging matchup for Missouri. So I actually think Arkansas is going to win, and they're pretty hot right now. Uh, so I think they're going to win 78 to 74. Wow. And how, Cameron, give me your prediction of obviously the score of the game, but also tell me how many turnovers you think Missouri has in Missouri, this game. Missouri, they're only going to have 11 turnovers. That's bold. That's really bold. Which means, obviously, they're going to win. They're going to win. Producer Cameron, over under 11 turnovers at home against Arkansas for Missouri. Last time they played them at Arkansas, they turned it over 24 times. They'll probably have like 13. Excuse me? 13? Okay. <laughs> Speak up, boy. Uh, I'll say 15 for Missouri turnover. No way. 11. Okay. Hope you're right. Again. And Missouri wins. Uh, By 30? Yeah. No. Missouri wins 60... Eight to sixty. Wow, a defensive battle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my score might have been a little high, but that's okay. No take backs. Never know. Never know. No take backs. So I'm predicting two Mizzou wins. Well, I hope that jump them right into that middle of the pack conversation. In order to do what I have given them as expectations or a goal, that they have to win both these games. Yep. So, I feel like you're taking the pragmatic approach and predicting a loss just so that you can be pleasantly surprised if there's a win, which is something I typically do. But it's I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to pump some sunshine. All right, give these, these listeners a bunch of something wins. to be happy about, something to live for. <laughs> when Bill gave us a review, he said we were very. Uh, he said something to the effect that we were, were not delusional. Yes, exactly. So I got to add some delusion to the podcast. Yeah, okay. yeah, to seriously. fit in with other. Uh, f- other fan bases i guess so kyle i have a challenge for you okay i'm going to describe a player i always get like a little nervous about this because i feel like i'm just gonna like just blank on somebody well you might i'm going to describe a player that was once a mizzou tiger they have since transferred away from the program and we're gonna see how quickly you can figure out who i'm talking about and if you're listening um, tweet at us and let us know how quickly you were able to figure it out. See if you're a better Mizzou fan than Kyle. Because if you're able to do it faster than he is, then that's all that means. You're a better fan. And you get to take my spot on the podcast next say, week. And. <laughs> and we'll fly you down to beautiful Springfield, Missouri to be a part of the show. Fly. Just kidding. What? Yeah. Are you suggesting they should walk? <laughs> What other mode of transportation is there besides we'll, walking or we'll flying? Send, we'll send our <laughs> helicopter to go pick them up. Oh, yeah. All right. The Pinkelcopter. Yes. We, <laughs> we bought it after he retired. <laughs> okay. This player was the 44th ranked player in his high school senior class when he committed to play for Frank Haith. I want the listeners to know what's what's going through your mind here. As well, I, I originally was thinking Jakeen and Gant, Gil Caesar, but those were all Cam Anderson recruits. 
Um, they were kind of in that. I think Gil Caesar was in the 30-ish range. Um, <clears throat> so before those guys, I, well, I can give you. I'll give you some more clues. I just like to know he, where your head's at. Okay. Wait, if you want to give a guess, I don't think so. I. No, I won't take any points away if you guess incorrectly this early. I'm afraid to guess because it, I think I've already guessed some of these people that I have in mind, like in previous episodes. But uh, I see. I won't conjure a guess. Okay. Okay. Um, just a nice little tidbit here. When they committed to Missouri, uh, they, they they were quoted as saying, "It felt like family." Everybody was just family. It was perfect for me. A good situation for me. That was what they said in there. Did this person commit as a freshman? Yes. Okay. I started thinking some huh? other some other folks. Okay. Is he a guard? Uh, no. Okay. Oh boy. As a freshman, he played in twenty-three games, averaging five points and two rebounds per game. He then played in all 30 games as a sophomore, but still just averaged five points and this time four rebounds per game. Okay, stop there. I'm going to think for a minute. Okay. So that must mean he committed to Frank Haith. So yes. Frank Haith's first year was the year we were really good. Mm-hmm. So he probably wasn't a part of that team yet. His Probably his freshman year would have been 2013 maybe. Um of the Lawrence Bowers, Keon Bell, Alex Oriaki year. You you have your timeline correct. Okay, so I'm trying to think of who would have been a freshman on that team. And he's not a guard. Correct. I know who you're thinking. All right. Uh, he transferred late in the offseason after his second year at Mizzou. And the reason cited in the official statement by the athletic department or by the basketball team and then head coach Cam Anderson was that he transferred to be closer to his mother who was in poor health. I feel like I gave you a pretty big hint there. Yeah, you definitely did. Um, (laughs) So that means that his second year was with Cam Anderson. Correct. Correct. <laughs> wow. I feel like everyone listening is like screaming at me right now. Perhaps. <laughs> I, I have a huge hint. Like whatever I say next is going to give it away, I think. But I kind of feel like bad. I've totally I, blocked some of these oh, seasons well, I, like I out of my bad. mind. Oh. No. What? I, <laughs> no. I'm, everyone I'm thinking of is... That first recruiting class of Kim Anderson, which was obviously like a year or two after whatever class this person was in. Let me just repeat my first clue. Okay. First thing I said was, he was the 44th ranked player in his class when he committed to play for Frank Haith. He did originally commit to Frank Haith. To Keenan Gant. Yeah. Okay, so I actually had it. <laughs> yeah. And then I was yeah. like, misunderstood, I, I guess. I kind of did a little bit of a trick there by... Cause, but. I did not lie. No, you didn't. He committed to play for Frank Haith and then stayed on and then, after yep. the coaching change. Yep. I was a little tricky, but... Yep. But you really did get it, but you, you overthought it just a little bit. I did. You outthought yourself. <laughs> Overanalyzed it a little bit. So 
I chose Jakeen again because he's in the news. He's been in the news recently. He um, transferred to what was, and when he transferred, they were Louisiana Lafayette. Now they are just Louisiana. They are still the Raging Cajuns. And at his new program, he became a focal point of sorts. Um, so it's a, he was on a mid-major squad now and averaged 14 points per game and six rebounds as a junior. So immediately took a step up, obviously lower competition, but perhaps he was being utilized a little bit better. Um, let me get his Ken Palm profile up here so we can reference that. He's had some amazing games this year. Yeah, so this season um, he's played in 21 games, and he's putting up a all-conference type season with uh, 21 and 9, 21 points, 9 rebounds per game. Man, he's a guy that I wish we could have made work, made it uh Made yeah, so here. you wonder what a senior Jakeen and Gant looks like in year one Conzo uh, Martin team last year. I mean, a so lot of those guys. Season, so the, the only reason he's playing a senior season now is because he had to sit out a year for right. transferring. A lot of those guys went on to do really good things elsewhere. Obviously, Tremaine Isabel is one that comes to mind. And is that St. Louis? I, I don't know if it would have worked out at Mizzou. I don't know. It's, I think perhaps some of the programs they're in now maybe allow a little more free flow game where they're kind of allowed you know maybe have the green light all the time uh i think isabel's just kind of one of those players he can create really well for himself right. and he was putting up some crazy offensive numbers i don't know anything about his defense or what kind of you know what they bring to the table as far as wins go but they're putting up offensive numbers like crazy yeah um, so what What's helping Gant is he figured out how to shoot. Um, he's shooting 38% from three, 46% in conference games. From three? Yeah. He's what? 22 of 48. Not shooting a, a super high volume, but picking his spots incredibly well, apparently. 22 of 48 in conference from three. Also shooting 62% from two in conference. Wow. Um, yeah, so he's like, if you look at his Kenpom profile, it shows you his conference rank in all these categories. And he's like top... 10 in every statistical category that Kempom tracks basically he was a fantastic high school player I really like was excited about him coming in I thought he would be a great player at Missouri Uh, he's a great player just elsewhere so good to him good for him for uh, finding a a place that might be a little more fitting to what he's looking for and to his skills and abilities so earlier this season he kind of made headlines for putting up 45 points in a game against Arkansas Little Rock. He was 4 of 5 from 3 in that one, 11 of 11 from the free throw line. Wow. And also, it was a double-double. He had 11 rebounds. <laughs> I remember him having some cool plays, I think maybe against Florida in that game that we won in one of those terrible years. We somehow beat Florida. Mm-hmm. And he had, like, a block and then ran down the floor and had, like, an alley-oop. I don't know yeah. if that was against Florida, but he just had some really exciting plays in his time here. Yeah, I mean he's he's putting together a heck of a season. He'll definitely get looks at some in some sort of professional league somewhere. Sure, um, that would definitely be an option to him if he wanted it. But he was obviously part of that recruiting class there, where every single member of that class departed the University of Missouri before their eligibility was up. And it almost seemed like the higher-ranked players ended up not doing anything after they left. Like Gil Caesar, I think he actually ended up having like a back injury whenever he was at Missouri in the Bragging Rights game. Stealing a lot of content for future uh, segments. Oops. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he went to like San Diego State and like didn't do Maybe, anything. I'm not going to say either way. I don't want to give anything away prematurely. Well, I, I'll stop rambling on over here, but uh, good for Jakeen and Gant uh, for 
finding a good place for him. Yes, definitely. Now I'm gonna have to wait like uh, three years from now to use anybody else from that recruiting class. That in my... recruiting class I've got down pretty good, <laughs> I, I'd say. Yeah. To be fair, you were on this. You were on that one immediately. You must just. You just knew that he was a 44th ranked player in his class. <laughs> I guess. So anything else? Any any last minute news items or anything for about Mizzou? No. Okay. Bill, if you're out there, send us an email. <laughs> if, if I don't get it this week, I'll reach out again next week. We'll just keep contacting you, Bill. No fake every bills. Pod, every podcast. No fake bills. If you're a fake bill, we'll find you and yeah. not give you a t-shirt. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's all, right. all I have for everybody. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or it's actually Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, which is kind of iTunes, sure. Spotify. Uh, you can tweet at us at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And if you're giving us a review to try to win a t-shirt, leave your email so that we can contact you. And or if you're doing it on Twitter, just do it that way. You can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert08. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week.